Welcome in everybody to a Wednesday edition, a pregame edition of Texans All Access, if you will. Day before edition of Texans All Access. Don't get a chance to say that a lot, but get a chance to say that tonight because the Texans take on the Cowboys in preseason game number four. We are sitting in the Hyundai Texans radio studio. I'm your host, John Harris, alongside the voice of the Texans, Mark Vandermeer. Mark, happy day before preseason game four. It's preseason game four eve. Yes. It's a national holiday, actually. It should be. It's the eve before the final one because the final one leads to the first one of the regular season. So we're all fired up for that already. And I can feel it bubbling already, Johnny. It's in the background. <laughs> like blah, 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 blah. The Patriots and the Texans. It's getting going. You can just feel it. You know, it's, it's what, 10 days away or whatever. I mean, my gosh, it's so close. So this is going to be great to see the Texans hopefuls play the Dallas hopefuls tomorrow night. And I wrote a big thing on this on HoustonTexans.com, how the storylines are deep and the drama is deep and jobs. I mean, I always say jobs are on the line and they are. And I, we talked about it earlier that this is the last football game. Some of these guys will ever play. And I discussed that with Bill O'Brien and it's just, it's one of those games. I mean, I, I just think there's a lot to it, a lot more to it than people give it credit for. I am with you. I think relative to those that will participate in it, it is hugely important. Like you said, there are some guys that are never going to play the game of football again. Yeah. Never. This is it. There's some guys that are going to be looking not for NFL jobs, but some other jobs. Now, jobs. There are a lot of different football leagues that are still out there. For if you want to continue to play, you can find work. It's You might have to go to Canada or you might have to play indoors or you might just have to bide your time. But relative to the people that are playing in this game, it's massively important. Oh I know gosh. some fans will sit there in the stands and see Clowney and Watt and Deshaun all on the sidelines and basically in, in their jerseys without shoulder pads with baseball caps on and think, eh, it doesn't really mean that much. To those involved, it means everything. Well, everything. think about it. You could lose your job based on your performance tomorrow night. You could win a job based on your performance tomorrow night. I'm glad you said that because that's ex- it's all relative. Some guys might earn a spot on a 53 with their performance. Right. Some guys might earn a spot on the practice squad yeah. with their performance and vice versa. They may lose a spot on the 53 or lose a spot on the practice squad. It's a brutal business. It really it's is. It's so brutal because you think about this, Johnny. You've got guys, all right, so let's say you do earn a spot on the practice squad. There's no guarantee you're going to yeah. make it onto the 53-man roster. And the money on the practice squad is good, but and it's better than a lot of entry-level jobs, most entry-level jobs. Any college student can get right out of the mix, and it does give you the chance to make an impression on the team and eventually get an NFL job, but it's such a long shot. That's the point that really gets hit home this time of year yeah. to me. How When I always see these things about compensating college athletes – and I get it. I understand a lot of it. But then I'll see people say, well, most football players go to college to try to get to the NFL. I'm like, the percentage of players that make it to the NFL, it's nothing. Guys it's- are playing college football. They better get their freaking degree. The guys playing tomorrow night better get their degree. Yep. In fact, everybody in the league just about should get their degree. 80% of the players, because guess what? It's the 80-20 rule. 20% of the players make about 80% of the money, roughly. And most guys are going to need that degree or need to do something else very productive and fruitful for them once their career is over. And by the way, that's very soon. So it all goes by very quickly. Even Shane Leckler, we were talking about him. I don't mean to go off on a tangent here. Okay. But you're 42 years old. You're still a young man. Now, he's yep. made a lot of money. He's going to be fine. But you still want to do something with your life. If this is going to be it, you want to do something. 
you know, he probably just wants to go fishing. You know, maybe it's not the best example. But you get my drift here. You're 35. If you're- you got a lot of life to live. A ton. Of, you get your whole a lot life, of to, life live. to live. You get your whole life. I mean, you play ten years. Let's say, I hope that Deshaun Watson plays a whole lot longer than ten years. Yeah. But let's say Deshaun plays ten years, mm-hmm. and Deshaun's going to make a lot of money his lifetime. So I mean, he can go back to Georgia or stay in Houston or whatever he wants to do and, and be completely fine because he's going to make hundreds of millions of dollars. But if he plays ten years in the league, mm-hmm. he's thirty-one when he's done. Yeah. 31. That's it. That's it. So 31. Even with all the money around, which is great. Don't get me wrong. Love it. Can't buy happiness, but it can buy whatever second best. I get it. But you still want to do something. Yeah. And I'm sure he'll have no shortage. He might not be the best example either. And by the way, if he plays 10 years, oh, please, at least that. At, at least that. At least 10. I'm hoping for like 28 or 29. Did you like the bow tie yesterday at the luncheon? What's that? You wore the bow tie. I know. I like the bow tie. Uh-huh. I like I like the bow tie. He did go with the retro sweater to L.A., uh-huh. which I thought was I thought was classy. I like the retro look, but the bow tie. Uh, the bow tie is his thing. Somebody said the that bow he tie is like, his thing. Yeah, it kind of is. I, I, I kind of associate him with the bow tie. He could pull it off. He, he can. I wear a bow tie. I look like professor at a New I'm England prep you. school. <laughs> Awful. He wears my, a bow tie. Looks so cool. Ready for L.A. My wife has banned me from wearing bow ties. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I have, like, you there's can't no pull that off. She, no way. Not happening whatsoever. You had a chance to catch up with Bill O'Brien today on preseason game for Eve. Coach, this is the fourth one. And before we get to the football stuff, there are players participating in this game who might never play football again. And I know you have to be sensitive to some of that. Yeah, very. I mean, you know, look, at the end of the day, it's a, it's much more difficult for the player than it is for the coach. But I think the toughest job, the toughest part of the job is, is the uh, cut down day. You know, mm-hmm. I think any coach, whether you've been doing it for – 20 years or you've been doing it like here for five it's not an easy day because you're affecting lives and and uh that's not easy what is this week like for you because you divided the squad a bit as you said preparing some for the patriots and preparing some to play in this game and you have to feel the team and and have some sort of game plan for the cowboys you, it's a difficult week i mean you have to you know there's certain guys that you really want to look at it's not about like keeping guys out of this game it's more about look i need to look at these you know, 50 guys in this game. I, I've got to make a good decision with our coaching staff, you know, to, to be able to talk to Brian about, look, like this is what it is. And so then you have these guys that aren't playing in the game, and now you're saying, okay, we can't just, like, give them the week off. Right. So they get good work with Luke, and then they get good work with – we divide the staff up. Some guys work on New England. Some guys work on Dallas. I kind of do both. And we're able to go out on the practice field, you know, get – some New England stuff done and other things, other situational stuff, not just New England, and then get, get our get our guys as ready as they can be for the Dallas game. Is it safe to say that special teams is where the ultimate fireworks are going to take place here because that's where some guys can really make an impression on you tonight? Yeah, I think, you know, when you look at special teams, that's where there's a lot of players that are still really fighting for ro- roster spots where they can, you know, the skill players, you know, DBs, wide receivers, you know, those guys can really, linebackers, the running backs, they can they can really make a name for themselves on special teams. I always, you know, I always show the clip of uh, um, Terrell Davis in his first preseason game mm-hmm. They were playing in Tokyo. I forget who they were playing, but he ran down and, and lit up the the uh, returner. Like, that's that's how you make a name for yourself. So special teams is a big, big part of it. What about defensively? What are you looking for from these guys? 
I think that, you know, when when we look at the fourth game and kind of thinking about what Dallas might do, we got to be able to stop the run. I want, I want to be physical against the run. And then, look, at the end of the day, we're going to play base coverages. Let's see if we can play good fundamental uh, pass defense, you know, get some pressure on the quarterback. But let's do a great job of setting the edge, building a wall and tackling, you know, and, and stopping the run. Somebody makes big plays on offense for you. Might that tip the scales in their favor to make the 53? I think any time a guy goes out there and makes plays, you know, I think that's a – you know, that's something you obviously take notice of. I mean, you're, that's what you're looking for in skilled players, you know, on offense. It's guys that can, you, you know, make plays. Yeah, you want a wide receiver to be able to know who to block on running plays, but at the end of the day, he's out there to get open and make plays. Coach, thanks a lot. Good luck. Thanks, Vanny. Mark, I can imagine there are many people in this building, as much as we talked about the value of this game, there are a lot of people looking forward to having this one over for a number of reasons. I'd imagine Bill O'Brien's ready to get this mm. get this thing going, especially with the type of team he believes, we all believe, that this Texans team can be. Well, I think he's still looking at a few spots, but he maybe doesn't need to go through everything they're having to go through tomorrow right. night in order to find them. But I think special teams, Johnny, I think in the return game, that's an area where they're not quite sure. I'm sure they have – look, if you were playing the Patriots tomorrow, they'll give you the names, right. and I think they'll feel pretty good about it. But I think things can still – change based on performances in this game four of the preseason tomorrow in that phase and maybe some other spots on special teams that we don't even think about yeah I think you're right about that that's that's one now one guy we may or may not see depending on how the coaching staff wants to use him I'd like to be able to see him I know you would as well Mark because we were really impressed with Kiki QT to start training camp don't know if we're going to see him but Drew Doherty had a chance to catch up with the rookie from Texas Tech. Oh, yeah, there's a big one with Texas Tech on Saturday as well. Drew? Thanks a lot, guys. we got Kiki QT, wide receiver for the Houston Texans, looking like you're going to get your first preseason action. How excited are you to get out there, mix it up with those guys? Uh, I'm just very excited you know, to play, play my first NFL game. You know, I've been out a couple weeks, and so just very excited to get out there and play football again, so I'm ready to punt up for it. In May, in June, the first part of well, – end of July, first part of August, you were doing some nice things. Did you feel like you had to take a step back, or was it just a, a pause button missing that time? Uh, just a little pause button there, just knowing, you know, this is not a sprint, it's a marathon. So just being able to take care of my body and just be available any way I can to this team is something I really learned while being a trainer. You did big things in the Texas Tech offense. What's the difference? What, what's the main difference adjusting to the NFL offensively at this level? Uh, you know, just offensively, you know, guys are fast. You know, every guy's fast. You know, everybody's, you know, knowledge is through the roof. So, you know, the game picks up a lot more than college. So, and you have to know a lot of things when you're out here. So just to be able to play play smart and play fast is the, the, the big difference. How exciting is it just to be a part of this offense with the personnel around you? Uh, I'm, I was very excited. You know, when I got drafted to Houston, you know, I, was, I know I was surrounded with a great quarterback and a great receivers. So in this offense, you know, this is the closest thing to tech that I think, you know, with the fast pace and all that stuff. So I like it here a lot. Tell us a little bit about the wide receiver room. You've got a leader there in DeAndre Hopkins, still a pretty young guy. He just turned 26. But what's it like being around that guy? After seeing, I imagine you've seen highlights of him, you know, the years past. What's it like being in that room with him and some of these other veterans? Uh, you know, just to be in a room with guys that are great leaders, you know, it's tremendous for all the young guys, you know. All those guys have been here for a long time, and they know the ins and outs of this game. So just had that leadership in our room, you know, it's, it's big for me, you know, because I'm going to have the ability to, to learn from those guys. You're an East Texas guy, so it's kind of fun, I'm guessing, to get to play against the Cowboys. Right, yeah, you know, everybody's a Cowboys friend out here in Texas, so just to play against Dallas twice this year, that'll be fun. 
All right, Kiki, tell us a little bit about this Texas Tech Ole Miss game. Is it going to be weird for you seeing this after playing there for the last few years? Oh, uh, yeah, it's going to be real weird for me, you know, because I just, I just left there not too long ago, and we played in NRG before in the Texas Bowl. So just to see those guys out there, and I'm not a part of it anymore, you know, it's going to be a little bittersweet, but I'm ready to watch them play. Now, you're, I know you're focused on the Texans and getting better as a player, et cetera, et cetera, but I imagine you do keep in touch with some of your, your buddies from, from back in college. A right, bit. I keep in touch with a lot of my buddies from college. You know, they just want to know how, you know, how the NFL is and how, how things are changed, you know, so I keep in touch with a lot of those guys. Losing a guy like you, losing to some of these other receivers and the quarterback, what does Texas Tech look like in your eyes as far as 2018? Oh, uh, you know, it's just kind of a rebuilding stage right now. Offense, you know, like you said, we lost a lot of offense, but we had the whole defense coming back, so I know they'll be stout over there. So just um, get that reload with the offense, I think we'll be pretty good. How amped up do guys get playing against an SEC team? Uh, you know, we get very pumped up because, you know, everybody says SEC runs college football, so every time a uh, you know, the Big 12 gets to go against the SEC school. You know, we're looking forward to it. Okay, we know Wes Welker is going to be out there flipping the coin uh, at the start. You going to be in the building too? Oh, yes, sir, most definitely. Sideline, I need the full action. I'll be there for sure. Sidelines, up in the stands, where's, where are you going to be? Oh, uh, sideline for sure. I need to be full on action. All right, Kiki, thanks so much for the time. And I guess I'll say this, since I used to work in Lubbock, I'll say Reckham Tech, okay? Reckham Tech. <laughs> Great stuff there from Kiki QT. Will we see him Thursday? Will we not? We'll find out very soon. I know we'll definitely see him September 9th if 100% healthy, and hopefully he is definitely that. Mark, just stick around. we got to talk about this 18-game schedule thing. Jerry Jones has an idea. I'm totally sure that I agree with his math. We'll talk about that next right here on Texans All Access. We are ever so close to preseason game number four. When those 60 minutes are in the book, it's ready for regular season time, September 9th at New England. Oh, it's so good to be thinking about that. I'm your host, John Harris. On this Wednesday edition of Texans All Access, the voice of the Texans, Mark Vandermeer stays with me. Mark, I don't know. I've been thinking about preseason, and it's weird. After the Rams game, as excited as I get for game four, I was ready to start thinking of the Patriots. I started looking at things on my computer on the way home, thinking about the Patriots, thinking about playing them. Okay, what do they do? Kind of thinking already ahead. And I know that Bill O'Brien and his staff have been thinking about the Patriots for, for a while. I think that's already yeah. been out there. But Like he said, they divided the squad. Yeah, and that's something that they've done in previous years. Uh, they actually did it when we were uh, displaced because of Hurricane Harvey. When we were up in Frisco, they did it up there as well, anticipating mm-hmm. – the game that we were going to play up there and then didn't because we drove home on essentially the Wednesday before the game. So it was this day last year. We were all driving home from Dallas. Wow. That was, yeah. 52 weeks ago today. Not the exact same Not day. Not the same date. Not the same date. But, but it's 52 weeks ago today. I remember we had gone. We had gone. It's funny because I got a call earlier that morning from – a guy asking me, "Hey, you guys are gonna be, you guys are gonna be there for a while, right?" And I thought, "Yeah, we'll probably be here through the week." I thought through the rest of the week, and Sam Houston State and Richmond were gonna play in Huntsville at Sam Houston oh, State, yeah. and that game got canceled, so they decided to move it. And they moved it to that Friday, and so he said, "Well, you know, Dallas is not far from from Waco. You can just drive to Waco." I'm like, cool. All right, I'm in. I'll do. I'll do it. Then we go home on Wednesday. I had to go back to Waco on Friday, call oh, the gosh. game. And, man, you talk about hard to get 
out of oh. the city of Houston to get there. Yeah, it was not exactly dry. It was not easy to get back into Houston either. But I remember we were we had gone off thinking, oh, you know, it's Wednesday. We went to go play basketball. We went to go play basketball like we do, five man twenty one, mm-hmm. and. I remember getting the call. No, we actually got a tweet. Somebody broke the story that the game was going to be off. Right. And that kind of put our antennas up like, uh, wait a second. And then we got a text. Bus leaves in an hour or whatever. Okay. <laughs> we hauled it. Yeah. We were over in Plano, mm-hmm. I think, and we had to get back to Frisco or I don't know what Something we did. Like but that. somehow we got back and I still have my stuff at the dry cleaner that I had picked up. And luckily, Robert Hensley and I, we drove, we drove home. And it was oh, that's right. You didn't. We take drove. The bus. Home. We didn't get on the bus. We drove home because we had the rental car and we had to get the mm. rental car back. Oh, that's so right. we drove the rental car back. And I mean, it was that was so bizarre. Getting, I mean, we get on buses all the time with the Texans, but it's to get to the airport, right. the airport to the hotel, that sort of thing. Getting on a bus and driving five hours yeah. home or four hours, whatever it yeah. was, was very weird. It was surreal. Obviously, the hurricane itself was the most surreal and most yeah. weird and most devastating and all of that. But just giving our football perspective on things, it was just so great to get back to Houston. No matter what shape Houston was in, it was going to be better yeah. to be back in Houston than anywhere else. Yeah, there's no question. So that game didn't get played. Mm-hmm. So last time, technically, the Texans had a winning record in the preseason. They went to the playoffs, so hopefully that stays because that happened in 2016. If I remember correctly, mm-hmm. we were 4-0 in 2016. Yeah. Oh, yeah. In the preseason. Yeah, but the Browns were 4-0 last year, right? Yeah, I know. And they went 0-16. That doesn't mean a Preseason record doesn't exactly mean. I'll tell you what, though. Preseason moments sort of count as mini wins, like Joe Webb getting them in field goal range at the end of the game. They didn't hit the field goal, but they got it to range. Yeah. So you get a little check mark for that. You say, all right, good. We got it to range. You know, Nick Rose probably not going to be the kicker, let's be honest here, as he's filling in for the injured yeah. Kaimi Fairbairn. So you look for little things like that. And I saw Jolton Joe Webb in the dining hall today, and I said, man, you're making a lot of plays. He's like, I'm running around doing whatever I can do. Yeah. You know, he's just, that's how he takes it. He is. And the thing about that drive against the Rams, which I found fascinating after I went back and watched the game, I had forgotten there was a holding call, I think, with about a minute left. Ooh. And it ended up being like first and first and twenty five or yes second and I forgot what something happened. like that, and then on third down he he hits the sideline route to Irvin, and I remember it's funny because we were talking about you got you and Andre were talking about the strategy and I was downstairs going it was third down because mm-hmm. the thought is there there are no timeouts right. And the thought is, if you complete an inbounds, you go up and spike it. Well, you couldn't because it was third down because right. fourth down would be the fourth you down spike. you got to go and roll it. So they get Irvin, and Irvin – or Jester Wea, and Jester gets out of bounds. Yeah. And that gave enough time to get to Michael Pruitt, who then got out of bounds, and that gave him a chance. I'm telling you, Nick Rose hammered that ball. My gosh. He, he hit the fool out of it. I mean, that thing – I mean, I'm most of the time for 57 yards. I'm afraid that ball's going to hit me. It yeah, comes down it, on my head. But it's like a driver, Johnny. You got to hit the ball in the fairway. It's not going straight. I know that. Yeah. That ball started going down the middle <laughs> and ended up six inches to the right of the goalpost. I, I really wanted to get it going because he does have a heck of a leg. Well, and you know, you know, look at a guy like Nick Novak, who's got tremendous accuracy, but not the longest leg in the right. world. So you wonder about things like that. You know, you'd rather have the accuracy, but you also have to kick long field goals, and you have to be good on kickoffs. Right. And Rose can do those things. Yeah, and hopefully, hopefully, you get Kaimi back so he can handle all that. Because if Kaimi's confidence is where it needs to be, I think he's a guy that can be consistent, nailing, nailing field goals and extra points, and he's got the leg to take it deep. Here's the other thing: thinking about Nick Rose, and this goes for 
I would say 80 to 85% of the guys that will take the field on both sides, they're not so much, even though they're wearing a Texans and a Cowboys jersey, Mm -hmm. they are not, in some sense, putting on tape what their coaches are going to see. It's going to be 31 other teams' coaches taking a look going, hey, what about this guy? You're auditioning for 31 other teams, obviously one on the other sideline and 30 others that aren't there. So when you go out there, you're not so much worried about, and I don't say you want to assert the coaches in any way, shape, or form, but you're looking to make plays so that everybody else can see it and attract the attention of an NFL scout somewhere going, hey, wait a second, I saw this guy in the, in the Texans-Cowboys game on the Texans. Well, I kind of like him. And yeah. you, that's what you're doing. You're auditioning. For 30 other teams, obviously one watching you, plus the 30 that aren't. Give me the number of players that they will take off the waiver wire. Give me a guess right now. See, this is another aspect This is a prop this. bet, if you will. This is another. I, okay. Where's Sean Pendergast when you need him? All right, I'm going to make it tough for you. I'm going to okay. make it tough for you. I'm going to say two. Two to the 53. That's a lot to me. It does sound pretty good. See, though, I'm not putting it at one and a half because I think, mm. that's too, I think it's too easy to go. I'll I'd, go one. I'll go lower. You going under? I'm going to go under. I think it's two. I don't know. I think it's – now, I take it back. I take it back. I I, I think one. The reason that I say two oh, is – Oh, you no, here's, it back. No, 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 I'm not taking it back. But here's – I'll walk it back a little bit, and here's why. I forgot about the Kayvon Webster deal. Because uh-huh. when I put my 53 – when I put my 53-man yep. roster together, in fact, I can I could show you the iteration. My last iteration, I had a circle – right next to the corner. I had four corners and I had a circle. And I left it blank because my assumption was that they would go out and get a corner. I thought through the waiver process. But they went out and got Kayvon Webster before they didn't have to go to waivers. They yep. just went out flat out signing hey, at that point. On that subject, how about Marcus Hardison going to San Diego? So the Chargers signed him. To Los Angeles. Oh, gosh. Did I just say that? You did. That's I okay. mean, I was wondering why you're giving me a look. I'm like, do I have the team wrong? No, I have the city wrong, Mark. <laughs> I have the city wrong. Oh, I can't stand this. You know, I've lived through a few of these in my life. You know, Oakland yeah. going to L.A., that was before I was in the business. The San Diego though. one's the hardest one. And though. then the Raiders I make that back. one. I make that one all the time. Like, for some reason, I got the ball. It's just tough. Baltimore to Indy, like, I didn't have an issue. That my dad did. My dad called them the – the Baltimore Colts for 20 years. Yeah. Well, older years. folks, I'm yeah. not that, you know, whatever. But the Baltimore Colts were such a huge brand yeah. in this league. Yeah. So that was a really difficult one. Uh, the Rams. What about that one? Did you have that one? I think what makes a it little difficult bit. is the Chargers are so close by also. Yeah. That you don't, when you're thinking of the Chargers, if they move to St. Louis, for, St. Louis, for instance, I might have much less difficulty yeah. with this. I'd be thinking, oh, they're in St. Louis, they're in St. Louis. But they're, so, they're still in Southern California, two hours away. I have, I've were. had a lot of problems. Like last year, I called them San Diego numerous times. I mean, and, this, and I, pro- and I know year I will two, year. I'm still doing it. I'm still I'm an announcer. It. Anyway, Hardison goes to the Chargers. Well, I mean, I think he gets an opportunity to go on the field, right. which is great because he lost an opportunity to go on in game four. You think Here. he had live scouting at that game on Saturday, and somebody said, "You know what?" And he had a sack in that game, and everything. And they're thinking, "What? He's better than our second or third line Maybe for so. sure. We gotta have, we gotta get this guy in here. He got cut. They're probably waiting for him to get waived, but he got cut. Let's have him look at him this week in Game Four. See what we got. See if we want to put him on the fifty-three. Maybe they're really thin." In D-line depth, anyway. Yeah, and maybe they're thin in D-line depth, but they know what their D-line's going to be, and they just got to get through the game. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, I mean, they've had a number of injuries. I don't know how many of them are in D-line, but I know Jason Brett got hurt. 
Uh, I know Bosa's been banged up a little bit, but those are guys that aren't really going to play in game four anyways. But to get through game four, I mean, you've got to have a, a certain number of players. and that, that, to me, is the other part of game four that I'm really curious about, that you find out you find out before the game when you look down there and both teams are, are working out the guys that don't play. If For those that don't know, this is, I don't know, maybe a little peek behind the curtain because I think this happens before before fans are allowed in the stands. But but NFL teams will work out their inactives. Right. So we talk about the 53 and a 46-man roster. Those seven guys that don't make it uh, on the 46-man roster end up working out before the game and you see him down on the, and so that's how you can figure out if you're down there who's inactive and who's who's active what happens for game four too it's just that there are about 35 guys or more that are inactive I'm curious to see what that group of guys looks like and which guys oh man they're not playing this guy that happened last oh, year yeah I'm trying to remember who or uh, two years ago in 2016 there was a player that I remember thinking wow, he's not playing tonight, either they're going to ruthlessly cut a guy and not give him a final chance, mm-hmm. or he's already made it. I had kind of that feeling. Yep. So that's, that's to me, that's a, almost a curious cold moment. Cold-blooded. If you work a guy out before the game, just a physical workout, yeah. and then you cut him anyway, yeah. ooh, that's... cut him that day, let him walk. Well, I don't know. In that case, the player had, had made the team. I can't remember who yeah, it is. I know. It I escapes know. me, but... But that's the point. So, to me, there will be a group of guys before the, the clowning. Watt. That's right. how we knew that they weren't playing yeah. in games one and Although two. Although one of them worked out in one of the games and ended up playing. Watson in game yeah, Watson. one against yeah. the Chiefs. Watson. Boy, I that wish threw we played, me off. I wish we played the Chargers last week instead of the Rams because I wanted to do a game in that little stadium. You know, oh, that would have yeah. been cool to be in the tiny little stadium instead of the dump that is the Coliseum. <laughs> Is that sacrilege? That's okay. It's a dump. I'd rather play in the Roman Coliseum. That would be in better physical shape than the L.A. Coliseum. For those that, that don't know, I mean, the whole thing. And not only is the Coliseum under construction, but just outside the Coliseum, they're putting in a new, uh, a new it's like a new sci- art science museum, like this brand new. And there's this massive, massive hole in the ground. I mean, Massive hole Awful. in the ground. I don't know what exactly is going to go in there. You got to move somewhere it's else. Huge. The Rose Bowl can't take you for a year. I I get or two or I whatever. I guess not. Oh, they're all snooty in that neighborhood. Forget it. That's the Rose Bowl people. That's Westwood. They're awful. Yeah, I don't know. I, it's funny though. I, the, we went in a different direction, so I got a chance to see a little bit more of USC. Yeah, I I didn't see that last year. It looks like a beautiful campus. Really? I never it, thought. I thought UCLA was the beautiful campus. Oh, UCLA is the beautiful campus. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's no question about that. But just, it's interesting because I'm, I've heard this before, and I can see it. That one side of the Coliseum you don't really want to be, mm-hmm. but the other side is USC. Oh, I see. And it's pretty nice, mm-hmm. and I I could see exactly what people were talking about. But the the press box for the I don't know how they're going to do that for 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 a regular season game. It's a modular home. I, I mean, it's, it's I don't awful. know how they're going to do that. Yeah, and our TV truck, by the way, had to depower because all the TV trucks were on generators and you have to depower, power up. <laughs> I know this is inside baseball stuff, but when you have to power up, it's like a gigantic computer. you got to reboot. It's awful. Uh, quick quick little story about tomorrow night, by the way. It's going to be a good crowd. If you're going to the game and you got one of those mobile tickets, download it first so it's on your phone. Yep. Ticketmaster knows that every team in the league is playing – and it's going to be a heavy tax on the system at the same time with all these mobile ticketing efforts going on all at once. And they're really impressed with what they project to be a big crowd here tomorrow night. 
as opposed to other NFL preseason game four right. venues. Uh-uh. This is a phenomenal situation we have here in Houston with yep. a lot of fans coming to these games. In fact, one of the Texans players, I won't say who, who came from somewhere else, was saying what a remarkable atmosphere it was for preseason game one at home against yep. the 49ers, so technically game two. But he was amazed with the response and the crowd interaction and everything, and I thought that was just okay. But, you know, yeah. sometimes we take that for granted. Preseason football, hey, it's football, it's big, let's enjoy it. Mark, appreciate better. it. Thank thanks, you. Thanks, Johnny. Coming up next, minority owner Gary Peterson with a story you've got to hear. He's sending some people to the game on Saturday. Texas Tech and Ole Miss. Why? Well, you'll hear from him and Texas Tech's Chris Level, sideline reporter, good friend of mine, right here on Texas All Access. We've got one final segment of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. Glad to be with you. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst and sideline reporter. We're going to jump in to a conversation Mark Vandermeer had with Gary Peterson, minority owner of the Houston Texans. And boy, did he do something great for people to see the Avocare Texas kickoff on Saturday. Mark, take it away. Here we are with Texans Limited partner Gary Peterson joining us on Texans Radio. Gary, how's it going today? Fine. How are you doing, Mark? Doing very well. Now, I know you're a big Red Raider. I know you're excited about the game this Saturday. So tell me about your participation in this one because I knew you were going to go to this game. This is like the sun coming up, no question about it. But you decided to help out some young people and get them involved as well. Yes, I, I really feel a, a great sense of uh, excitement for this game. Uh, being a Texas Tech Red Raider graduate, uh, as well as a minority owner and limited partner of the Houston Texans, who are actually sponsoring this game, I feel really excited about this game and, and I'm happy to be involved. What does it mean to you to be able to provide tickets for first responders, military charities, youth-focused charities? I mean, they're going to a wide, a wide variety of people who are going to benefit here, Gary. Well, because I, because the Houston Texans and the Houston Texans organization that sponsored this particular game, and by the way, we sponsor this kickoff game every year. We have for six straight years, and the and the kickoff game delivers annually fifty million dollars in direct economic impact to the greater Houston area. Uh, we have keen interest in, in in this game as a Houston Texan, but also as a Texas Tech graduate, I wanted to make sure that people got to come to the game that would not normally go to a, a game like this. As a result, I bought 5,000 tickets and donated them to first responders, military charities, and youth-focused charities in and around the Houston community. I want people to come out and see the Red Raiders and the Old Miss Rebels that would not normally get to come see a game like this. And the game, Mark, will be great in the sense that it's, it pits the Big 12 against the SEC. It's right here in Houston. It's Saturday morning at 11 o'clock. It should be great fun. Gary, I know you follow the Red Raiders forever, so give me two or three of your best Red Raider memories watching this football team operate. Oh, gosh, the Texas Tech Red Raiders have been sort of the love of my life. Uh, I guess my, my favorite uh, memory is when Wes Welker caught the ball at about the eight-yard line against Texas A&M on a punt. Uh, 
late in the game, and he returned the punt for a touchdown, and Texas Tech won the game, and Wes Welker effectively won the game. The year before that, uh, we played uh, the University of Texas in Lubbock, and Wes Welker caught two or three touchdown passes. So uh, those are two great memories of the game. I go all the way back to watching D.J. Hollip uh, play for Texas Tech, who now is in the Hall of Fame, and, and he's a, uh, as you know, is a, he's a retired Kansas City Chiefs uh, individual. So it, I've had great fond memories of Texas Tech forever. And the Ole Miss Rebels have a great tradition themselves. They had the you know, they had, Arch, not Archie Manning, but uh, they had uh, Eli Manning at, at Ole Miss, and yeah. we used to play them, and that was fun. Gary Peterson joining us, Texans Limited Partner, and helping send a lot of young people to the Texas Tech Red Raider Advocare Texas kickoff game Saturday, 11 o'clock here at NRG Stadium. All right, one more for you. Wes Welker, you mentioned him in college. You were a big fan. Not only a fan, you told me way back when that he was going to be a great pro receiver. Not everybody believed you, apparently, Gary, because it took him a while to catch on, but when he did, he was huge. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I remember, Mark, you and I having Mexican food one night. I told you, this kid is going to make it. And he was awfully small, but he had he had, he had the desire in his heart to win. He had the athletic ability. And, he, of course, he went to New England and led the league in receiving for four or five years. And now, by the way, we have him as a wide receiver coach for the Houston Texans. So, uh, Wes is now with us, and we hope to win a lot of games this year for the Texans. Gary, thanks a lot for joining us, and thanks a lot for helping those young people this weekend. You're sure welcome, Mark. Thank you. 5,000 tickets. That is absolutely amazing, Gary Peterson. Thank you so much. I remember going to my first football game here, first college football game back in 1983. I saw Rice in southwest Louisiana a long time ago. It was a memory I'll never forget. Some of those 5,000 are going to go to their first college football game ever. Maybe they'll have a memory kind of like I did going to see Texas Tech and Ole Miss. Speaking of Texas Tech, my buddy's a sideline reporter for the Red Raiders. His name is Chris Level. He knows that team inside and out. But I'm going to start our discussion talking about Kiki QT. You have seen, you saw every game rep this guy ever took. You saw him in practice. You've been around the program. He's now with the Texans. He made a significant impact early in camp, and then obviously a hamstring kind of set him back. But I know a lot of fans are very, they're curious about QT. You watched him up close. What did you see in Kiki QT? What did the Texans get when they drafted this young man? Toughness. I mean, I, I think that really sums up what, what Kiki is. He, he, he is a young man that doesn't say just a whole heck of a lot uh, and, and never really did. And, and he always let his play do the talking. But when he did talk, you know, it was kind of one of those things where everybody w- would listen. But it's just, you could line him up anywhere. You know, in Tech, they threw it to him. They handed it to him. They let him return, uh, you know, at, at times from kickoff and, and punt situation. But he, he's just he's just somebody that, you know, he, he epitomizes toughness. He's kind of just straight East Texas. And he, he uh, you know, and it hurts Texas Tech that he, that he left early. But I think what, what was fun around here is that there wasn't one person – that was being selfish about when he decided to go take it to the next level around here. They were thrilled for him. He had earned it. And I think he's got some things he wanted to do for his family. And it's just hard to have a much better year than what he had last year statistically. But it's just, he, he's tough. And that, that's what he is. You, you, you're just not going to find anybody. Uh, he's not the biggest guy, but boy, I'm telling you, he, he's as tough as they come. To that end, Chris, you brought up him leaving early. 
which was detrimental for Texas Tech in that you were already losing some senior receivers. And when you look at the receiver depth chart, there aren't a lot of names that people are going to notice. When QT left, that left an even bigger hole there at the wide receiver position. How has that position been shaking out in camp? And is there any nervousness there about the guys that are going to be taking over for QT and company? Yeah, John, you know what's interesting? I don't know how many teams can say this, or college programs can say this right now, but all four starters from, from Texas Tech that started out the season last year are in NFL camps. Yep. Um, and so Kiki is there. Obviously, Cam Batson is with Tennessee. Dylan Cantrell is with the Chargers. And then Derek Willies, who did not finish the season as a starter, he's with the Browns right now. And mm-hmm. I don't know if he's got a chance to make that team or not. Um, but – yeah, there's a serious void here, uh, just from an experience and playmaking and, and, and all the above, because those four guys, mainly the three guys, minus Willie's, played so much. And, and T.J. Vasher is the one guy that comes back here that is a playmaker that did some things last year for him. And he's really the only guy that you can look at and say, they'll, they'll lean on T.J. And he's got a chance to be really, really good. I mean, he was a highly talented recruit. This night he made some unbelievable catches last year. He just got to be more consistent, but it, it is a giant question mark after that, and it's just so strange around here that you're wondering one, a lot, lot of questions about the quarterback, but receiver is the other question mark, and that's the one thing that around here for decades it, it seems like you always knew at least who the quarterback and the receivers were, and there was questions everywhere else on the team, and it's really opposite now. But T.J. Vasher is the one name I would tell everybody they need to pay attention to because he, he's a six foot five. You know, got, got a chance, I think, to play at the next level if he'll add some weight and then keep progressing. So at quarterback, what do they have? They've got three guys in the mix for the competition. How's that been shaking out, and who do you expect to see on September 1 in the starting role? It, at this point, I'll, I'll be very – because I think that it was a – and it's tough to let three kids go through a competition. So many times, it, it's just two guys. But Cliff, you know, I, I think because of the, the situation here with these three guys and their skill sets and all that stuff, I think it's pretty clear that he wanted to give all three an opportunity. And so how he did it was, because a lot of times in these competitions, you'll say, hey, you know, th- th- this option, we're going to let you run with the ones on a Monday and a Thursday. The other guy's going to get Tuesday and Friday and, and, and all that stuff. He actually let all three guys get reps with the ones about every five plays in every team situation for about two and a half weeks of camp here. <laughs> so he kept them all on edge. He kept them all involved and engaged every single day. And I think that McLean Carter, who's the lefty, who started against Texas last year and is the oldest one, I think he's just been the most consistent. And I don't know if he's the best athlete, and I don't know if he will be able to hang on to the job long term. But right now, I think he's probably the guy that you'll see versus Ole Miss. He's mobile, uh, and and I I think that you know it it just comes down to him being more consistent. He's a little bit of a better decision-maker. And, and you'll hear around here, and, and I hate this term, and we all – it comes with certain connotations to it, but he, he's kind of more of a, a game manager than the, than the other two may be. But, but with that, he makes better choices is why I say that. And I think that there, there'll be a much better running team this year, and they'll lean to that. You know, Cliff's going to tweak this offense enough. He brought the offensive coordinator from Western Michigan in here, Kevin Johns, who I think – He's used to running with a fullback and a lead blocker and a tight end, and, and you'll see some of that difference uh, in the team this year. So that's why McLean, I think, is probably the guy right now. I'm not sure that there is a better redemptive story than Dakota Allen 
He's potentially on track to be the Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year. When's the last time we could say Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year candidate from Texas Tech? What does he mean for this overall program, and how does he lead this defense, Chris? Yeah, John, it's, it's, I think it, the part of the story that makes it so good is because he's back here. If, if, he, if he leaves here, does the last chance you, and is at uh, East Mississippi Community College, and it goes somewhere else, it, it doesn't take on the same meaning from a comeback story. But because he wanted to come back here and deal with some potential ridicule, but also finish what he started, that's what makes this so much fun. Yep. And, and, and what, here's even the, the most bizarre part. It is kind of touching on what you said. He's really the face of your program. I mean, how many guys do you see that, that, that have an issue and have to leave, and whether they come back or not, that end up being kind of the face? I mean, he's somebody that they want to put on, on season tickets. They want to put on billboards. They want to parade in front of the media because he's so well-spoken. He's so thoughtful. And because he made that mistake, it, it just takes on a whole new meaning. So, yeah, it's not just about the kind of player he is, because that's the part while we're, while we're really talking about him, but it's because he learned from that, and, and it, it's made who he is and made this awful mistake, and, and then people around here were willing to stick their neck out, and I think it's paid off, and, and I think he's very appreciative of that. But, heck, yeah, I mean, he, he's the face of the program. There's no doubt about that. And I don't, I don't know if it's been, been Abagu at, at TCU or Dakota Allen, but one of those two guys could easily be the – Defensive Player of the Year in this league, and you're right. It, I guess 2005, Dwayne Slay ended up winning that award. Yeah, they thought that coming into the season, but but that that's what Dakota is. He's he's a calming influence for the not just the defense but the whole team. And and you're right. And he kind of goes along the lines with the, the, the whole defense as a whole, kind of being a redemption story. And and he and Dakota individually, but but along with this team as well. Man, you brought up Dwayne Slay. You just gave me you gave me goosebumps. I remember big hit Slay, man. Holy smokes. That was oh, that was that was in the wayback machine. There's no question about that. Chris, what kind of opportunity is in front of the Red Raiders in this one on September first? This is a big game for Texas Tech. Um and I think that it, it it's it one, it's one of those deals where it, it sets a tone for your whole offseason because it's not like you have a uh, you know, an FCS team sitting there or a home game that, that you know you should win sitting there. This is a different deal, but it's really a big game for just this program and, and coaching staff because of Cliff's kind of where they're at right now. I and mean, they need to win this year, and everybody around here knows it. And this is kind of one of those swing games. could go either way, and you need to win those, uh, especially right out of the gate. The matchup is interesting because it, it, it's kind of, as you touched on, John, it's, it's a strength on strength and it's kind of weakness on weakness. I mean, I don't know how it, you know where this game will be won, but the Tech offense versus that Ole Miss defense will be as interesting as, as the other side of the ball when this veteran defense goes against uh, you know AJ Brown and Greg Little and and, and all those guys that, that that Ole Miss will try it out there offensively. So, uh, but but this is this is a monster game for them, and I think they're looking forward to it. I think that it, it's one of those things where this is a winnable game for the Red Raiders that they just. It depends on what McLean Carter potentially will look like, and and how good is this defense here? You know, we we know it's better that they're creating takeaways and turnovers and all that stuff. That's what David Gibbs' his defenses do, and and they're deep and they've got some top end of the line talent and all that. But how good are they? I mean, are they good enough to help you win a game? Are they good enough to win a game? I mean, that, that's what we just don't know yet, and and we're about to find out. A huge thanks to Gary Peterson. Of course, Chris Level for joining me, to Mark Vandermeer, to all of you for listening. We will see you tomorrow. Kick is at 7, FCL Dental pregame show at 4, postgame follows. 
Dallas Cowboys, Houston Texans, do not miss it. Thank you again, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow. And as always, go Texans.